Warning! The following podcast contains strong language, which some listeners may find offensive. If you do... Up yours! That's only if you don't listen to the podcast. Otherwise, not up yours. Did you know the Untitled Wrestling Podcast is on all of the social media outlets? Give us a like, follow, share, subscribe, or even a review if you're feeling generous. Facebook and YouTube at Untitled Wrestling Podcast. Twitter, Twitch, and Discord at Untitled Rest Pod. Hello, everybody. Uh, before we get into today's exciting match of the podcast, uh, a serious talk with your, your boy, your Uncle Tasty here. Uh, the holidays are a time when a lot of your favourite content creators will wish to spend time with their families, see friends and loved ones, and for a lot of people their output will be slightly reduced. Uh, obviously during this time, please be gracious and respectful of people's private lives, and accept that they can't always put out content for you to enjoy. However, having said that, here at the Untitled Wrestling Podcast, we don't have time for family because they've all disowned us, normally <laughs> around the time they meet Aaron. <laughs> so, without further ado, it is time for us to present for you 2021's Match of the Year, or Top 10 we're doing. Um, so, hello hello everybody, welcome to the Tiled Wrestling Podcast. It's me, Big Tasty. I'm joined by Aaron and Jay. Troy is not here. He is aforementioned too busy. Too um, busy doing other podcasts. He's got people in his life who love him, mate, unlike us, so, you know. <laughs> we're just... <laughs> Solo. <laughs> How are we doing, guys? How's how's the new year been? Just for anyone, it's it's just turned the new year. It's the second of January, so we waited right until the very end of the year, so nothing escaped. We've got the whole year to look back on and pick our favorite matches. Uh, so yeah, it's just the very beginning of January. How was everyone's new year been? Have we all had a good time? Um, yeah, I just drank a lot, mate. If we, I would say if we all recovered. That's that's the important thing. Uh, I think I might be still drunk. I'm on my third day here. Because me and Jay in particular are getting um, towards that like period in our life where we can't really do the, the, the big ones anymore. <laughs> I, I, I didn't drink anything yesterday. I was too I was too broken. Uh, I've been going to bed at six or seven in the morning in the past two nights. So. <laughs> when, are back, when are you back in work, mate? Uh, next Monday. <laughs> I've fuck. got a whole week, oh, baby. Fuck, fuck you. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was chilling like fifteen percent stouts at half four in the morning on New Year's Day, and it was uh, New Year's yeah. Eve into New Year's Day. And yeah, I don't. There's many years left for me doing that. <laughs> for being totally honest, no, no I, was, I was doing a similar thing. Yeah. Uh, right, so coming into the we'll go stripping the proceedings, we are going to give you uh, each our top ten. We're going to go round the table one at a time. We're going to go ten to one. We're going to talk a little bit about our favourite matches, why we picked them, and. Uh, if one of us has picked a previous match, we will acknowledge it, but then we will also fill in with one of our honorable mentions, and we'll have a little chat about that very briefly. Um, we're going to... This is... A, obviously, if, you, if you're a long-term podcast listener, we did a, a sort of first half of the month, first half of the year um, list a couple of months ago. If we mention any matches now that we mentioned back there, we're going to sort of briefly gloss over them. We're not going to talk in-depth about them. If you want to hear our, our first half ones, go back and listen to that podcast. Um, Troy's not here, as we said. Should we just assume that his top ten are like the WrestleMania card? Yeah. WrestleMania, Probably, money um, in the bank, I, biggies, I, cash in. I, I reckon number one will be on my list somewhere. I, I think it's also on my list as it well. It will all be Roman matches, I, I just imagine, for Troy. Um, no, I, 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 think, think, I think he's going to have quite a bit of NXT UK stuff to be fair. 
so we'll have to get Troy to post his on social media maybe at some point when he gets a chance so we can yeah. we can have his as well. That'd be nice. Uh, right. So we'll start off. Aaron, you want to go alphabetical? We'll start with you. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'll start with one that I've already spoken about in the first half of the year. Uh, GCW Bloodsport 6, WrestleMania weekend. Uh, John Moxley versus Josh Barnett. The finish of it was ridiculous. Moxley didn't even win the match. It was absolutely shocking to watch, but in a good way. Not I mean, just these are like way. two titans of violence, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, it's not going to be a bad time when they, when they have a match together. Yeah, and the fact that I mean, unless Josh, you're unless you're an immediate family member of either man, I like the the finish is very good, surprising, but in a good way. As give I us, say, give I, us a give us a brief bullet point of the finish then. Well, you, if you um, ba- basically, yeah, Moxley's pushing out blood, gets caught in a sleeper hold, uh, like Samojo style one, uh, and. Basically passes out for a whole second. The match is over, but he's up and at it again straight away. It's oh, it's beautiful. That's like, that's, like, that's like a very MMA finish. The it? match, the match is vicious in it. It's so good. I I love it. I still need to watch um, the last Bloodsport. I, I bought it with my free fight credits. I've still not got around to watching. I can't wait to like Matt Cardona's Bloodsport. I think. <laughs> oh, <wait. laughs> Jet, I forgot to put a match in fucking. Um, uh, in don't, 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 don't worry, Jay. I've got it. <laughs> have you got? Have you got that? I've got it. I've got it. Okay. Right. So uh, lovely. Um. So Jay, do you want to hit us with your tenth favorite match of the year, please, mate? Yeah. Um. Again, one I've I've spoke about. Uh, Bianca Belair versus Sasha Banks at WrestleMania. Um. Really, really historical match. Obviously, first uh, time two black women have WrestleMania uh, main evented WrestleMania, should I say? And it was just a very like it, it felt like a special match and it felt like an important match when we were watching it. And then the match happened and it was like, it kind of exceeded all my expectations. I thought it was going to be a good match. I didn't think it was going to be that good a match. And that's not a slight against either of the women. I was just like, they just like literally went full throttle and went like through everything at each other. And it was really good. I think Michael Cole actually really helped sell the importance of the match as well. Um, like, yeah, it was a, it was a, almost uncharacteristically hands-off approach on commentary. There was no, like, they weren't pushing any hashtags on it or, you know, trying to get it trending on social media. They just let the match happen and, he, let, the, and let the moment happen. They didn't even, like, with something like that, normally WWE would be like, oh, look at how great we are. <laughs> and they didn't even do that. Like, Michael Cole mentioned it in the opening of the match and, like, that was it. Yeah. It was, just... was characterised by its restraint on commentary, which I think made it feel mm. a lot more impactful as well. Yeah, it got that really cool spot as well with uh, Bianca um, press slamming Sasha by like carrying it up the steps and then pressing it into the ring. Yeah, Bianca, Bianca looked great. And she went on to enjoy enjoy a incredibly long and well-booked uh, title reign. Don't Google that. Uh, don't, don't... <laughs> don't, don't look up SummerSlam. It's bad for you. Summerslam, <laughs> Summerslam's not real, it can't hurt. Um, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Very excellent choice. Uh, I've gone for a slightly weird one, my number 10. Um, I've gone for the is dark. Yours, is yours on WrestleMania weekend as well? No, it's not, funnily enough. I'm breaking, I'm breaking, I'm, I'm, I'm breaking the mold here. Uh, <laughs> tradition. I'm going for the Dark Order versus the Elite from AEW's Fight for the Fallen. Uh, I have that as well. I have, I have also pick. got it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not 
like necessarily bell to bell like the greatest match on my list here. Uh, I didn't think I, I I can't remember a lot of what happened in the ring, but obviously, I mean, what sticks out is that entrance. Yeah, which yeah. was phenomenal. Um, there were there were great bits in the match. There were really fun spots. I, I thought this match told a really good story, but it, it's in my list predominantly because this is the match that made me maybe feel the most powerful emotions out of any of the matches I watched this year. Yeah. Like, when it got down to three-on-one, Hangman versus Kenny in the books, like, the dread just hit you, and it's like, oh, this isn't happening. Yeah. Mm. Like, yeah. I, I think as well, like, because it, it got down... Was it Hangman and Uno it got down to? Hangman and Silver. Silver it was, Silver. yeah. Well, I, I just remember, like, when each, like, Dark, mem- dark Order member fell, you could see almost, like, the despair in their, their face that they were, like, letting Hangman down. Yeah, and it was because it was like they Hangman because in the storyline Hangman had like gambled his title shot for the Dark Order to get a title shot of their own against the Bucks, yeah. and that that was the stakes. Uh, and it, it was like it was just like the elite just mercy killing all your favorite wrestlers. It was just like oh you, you love you love Evil Uno, he's gone. Yeah, yeah, you love uh, you love John Silver. Yeah, we got to kick him and pin him. You know, don't, like, don't worry about the good brothers though. Yeah. <laughs> Fine, fine. God, he's the shit gallows. <laughs> so yeah, that's my number ten. Um, yeah, the probably the, the match that put me the closest to like shedding tears <laughs> of all of the ones on this list. Uh. Yeah, it it reminded me the end of that match reminded me of like Infinity War where Thanos has just snapped his fingers and everyone's dying. Yeah, one by one, and Dark Order member falls. Right, Aaron, next up for you, mate. Um, we've literally just spoke about my number nine, so I'll do an honourable mention. Uh, a bit of a cheat, say a two-in-one. I've got one like that later on as well. But uh, both Elimination Chamber matches, because uh, yeah. they were very good matches that lasted half an hour. Like, there was lots of actual decent wrestling. And then even the storylines going into it, one was the winner faces Roman Reigns immediately after the match. And then the raw one, some bastard called the Misery contract, a money in the bank contract it. showed up. Oh, it's <laughs> a very good chamber matches for very surprised things happening at the end. That that SmackDown one in particular was really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. really good. Was that the one that had Cesaro? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was where yeah, Cesaro looked amazing, but then Brian Danielson just beat him. Yeah, and then Roman just came up and made the Brian Danielson. Yeah. yeah, sorry, Daniel Bryan, my brother. Uh, get, get, get it right, come on. <laughs> Brian Danielson. He beat him so hard his name got switched around. Bra- Brian, Di- <laughs> <laughs> Brian Danielson wouldn't have took that kind of beating. He would have stamped on Roman's head till he fucking popped it like a fucking spot. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm, I I agree with that. Both very yeah, good, good matches. Good, yeah. good picks, mate. Yeah, good picks. Uh, Jay, your number yeah. nine, then, please. Mate. My number nine was another one that I had on my earlier in the year I, a lot of my like first couple of uh, from earlier in the year i've noticed um and that was arcade anarchy uh it was just a really fun match like it wasn't the best match of the year it was just really fun um it, it, made, it, on my honor, it made it on my own mentions again not as good as the best friend stand-up match of 2020 which was the parking lot bro yeah oh, that was amazing though that was yeah, so but good. still excellent and there was a lot yeah. to talk about in it as well um i'll let you carry on before i talk all over you yeah, so it was best friends versus Miro and Kip. Um, obviously, it was kind of teasing the end of Miro and Kip's friendship. Miro was starting to look like a bit of a nutter. Um, and he was booked like to look like an absolute beast in this match. He was just fight, like, fighting people off all the time. Um, so the members of the best friends, it was Chuck and Orange as well. Um, 
Trent did make his return at the end of the match from injury, as did Chris Statlander. Um, and she hit a, um, it was an air raid crash through a, a air hockey table onto I mean, Penelope. You're yeah. underselling that, Jay. Like, Chris Statlander made her appearance, like, through a claw machine. She a came claw machine. She came one of the fucking aliens in Toy Story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and the match ended with a really cool bit where they're all giving two the thumbs up. You love that. You love to see it. Um, yeah, it was just cool, like, to see... The fact that they put like an entire like arcade around the ring, it was it was just so there, was, there were so many cool little details as well. Like so, like the you yeah. said they had the arcade, then they had like a, a prize station, like you'd have in like um, Dave and Buster's in the yeah. states. But all the prizes were like chairs and two by fours and like wrestling weapons, and they had like ticket price values written on them, so you could like yeah. exchange your tickets. Uh, at one point, Miro just beeled Orange Cassidy like the entire length of the ring on the outside. He threw <laughs> he threw him like nine foot horizontally. <laughs> it, was, it was fucking terrifying, uh, and th- this was very much looking back now. It, it was really important because this was the moment that Miro was made as this character. Yeah, it was. It definitely felt like the turning point for um, when like Miro was starting to become a little bit more unhinged. Like he was doing the whole Bridezilla thing, where he was like trying to take over Kevin and Penelope, uh, Penelope's wedding, and then obviously like the week after this, where like Miro like broke Kip's arm in a door. But this this whole match was like Miro just cannot be killed by conventional weaponry. Yeah, yeah. Like he was like a, he was like a horror villain. Like every time they put him down and they start focusing on Kit Miro, just burst out through the fucking wall and kill someone. Yeah, and th- there was the really good story bit as well, where like Orange jumped off the stage and like took Miro down, and then Trent like speared him, and then chuck it like the running power slam on the like through the stage onto yeah. Kip. Um, everyone came out of this looking good, uh, even Kip who. Basically, he was there just to take an absolute beating off everybody. Um, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, as I say, it was it was it wasn't like technically the best match of the year. It was just a really fun match. I mean, not not all matches have to be the technically best. No, no, trust no, me, but... my list will tell you differently. <laughs> well, yeah, but you know what just, I mean. It, it was wasn't just, like... it was just, it was just big dumb fun, it, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, it was just really good fun, and I enjoyed it for that. And I've, I've re- gone back to rewatch it a couple of times and it still lives up. It's just really fun. Fair. Uh, right, for my number nine, we'll stick with Orange Cassidy because I'm going for Orange Cassidy versus Pac versus Kenny Omega. Fair. Now, this is a match... I won't talk about it too much. Well, this is a match we talked about in the first half of the year. Uh, this was a match that was actually on my honourable mentions um, for the first half of the year. And I've, it's moved into my top ten. And the main reason it has moved into my top ten is because when you look at the pace of this match and like how, fanet- how frantic it was, and then you look at how fucked Kenny Omega was for the most of his age- of his world championship run, you just have to give it all the respect because to keep up with not only Orange Cassidy but also Pack and be like chronically boned the way that Kenny's body was, I think yeah. that's I think that just it makes it, it, if anything for me it elevates the match even further. And I think now that we've got to the end of Kenny's title reign. You can look back on it as a whole and say, like, what were the un- like, what were the undisputed highlights? And I think this sticks out as probably his best title defense. Yeah, for a it's match a- that got very little build up as well, it was yeah. so good. Like, yeah. on, a, on, on a purely in ring bell to bell sort of metric, this is the best match Kenny ever got had as, w- as AW champion. Um, and yeah, like you said, they literally threw it together two weeks before the pay per view because they basically got Orange and they did a draw, didn't they? Orange and Pack had a draw. Yeah, this is the one where Orange got like concussed, wasn't it as well? Yeah, yeah. Well, like it was meant to be a time limit draw, and then Orange got knocked out by that lag bomb from Pack. Yeah. Uh, so they called an audible, and Kenny came in and just like smacked them um, Pack with the belt. Yeah. So it led to a double DQ. So yeah, um, yeah, really, really fun match, and 
it's weirdly it's moved like I said, having viewed it as like part of Kenny's whole title reign, which was pretty incredible by itself, I think it, it, it makes it even better in, in retrospect. Yeah. No, so we, no right. argument from me. Uh, number eight then, Aaron? Uh, number eight is going to be my only NXT match that I've got on this. Um, in my top ten, anyway. Uh, is the Men's War Games match, which is a bit of a... Um, it's a... People, it's... 50-50, isn't it? It's hit or miss with this match. Uh, I feel like it's the only War Games match we've had with actual storyline, personally. Like, proper storyline. Um, there's no Undisputed Era in this War Games match, the first time ever in a men's War Games. Wait, hang on. Are you telling me that Roderick Strong teaming with the Viking Raiders wasn't storyline? <laughs> as fun as that was. First of all, it wasn't the Viking Raiders. It was Authors of Pain. Was it also pain? Yeah. It was Pete Dunne and Ricochet team with the Vikings. That's yeah. right. I remember, I remember being big Hossie boys. Was Pete Dunne yeah. looked really upset that he had to wear war paint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it, it, it was good to see they actually made a storyline out of war games that felt more invested. Because that was my issue with war games before was it was just a war games match for the sake of it, wasn't it? Uh, so, yeah, there was a lot of up for grabs here. It, and was, then, it was also really nice that Johnny Gargano finally got to be in a War Games match as well. Yeah. In what, I, I, in what I, might I, well have turned out to be his last appearance. In an ever for, yeah. Uh, so it was a really good match to finish off the show as well. Um, Braun Breaker getting the disgusting spear at the end through the table. That is ho- still horrible to watch. It's just that vicious. The fear for Champa's neck when he took that spear. Yeah, oh, I, I, I was I winced when I saw that spear because I was like, oh no, oh, no. Uh, there's just so much torque on that spear, it's ridiculous and it's horrible to watch. Uh, the whole match is a, a whole as well. That your new guys got to stand out in the war games, you got to see your older boys do what they do best. It was just great to so watch. It, it, it felt like a, it felt like a really important sort of passing of the torch moment as well from like yeah. old NXT to, to fun factory NXT. Yeah, well, one thing that I did really like about it as well was that it's it's sort of sometimes the war games matches it's like there to like finish like tie up loose ends of stories, isn't it? This yeah. one feels like it started a lot of feuds, like Tony D'Angelo and Pete Dunne started feuding because of this match. Hmm. Um, Bron Breaker and Champa's feud carried on because of this match. Yeah, and uh, and Waller kept going for a few weeks as well. Hmm. So there you go. Yeah, that was yep. number eight. Uh, my favourite NXT match so far. Well, so, of the year. Jay, go number eight, please, mate. I can guarantee that you've got this on your list, Big Tasty. I'll be shocked if you haven't. Maybe Aaron as well. Um, and that's Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa from uh, St. Paddy's Day, whatever it was called. St. Paddy's uh, Day. There you go. The lights out match. Um, it, for me, it was my favourite women's match of the year. It was just so good. Um, and I think it really kind of... It, it it was an important match for AEW because not only did it showcase, oh, yeah, the, the women's division, which everyone criticises all the time, is it definitely improving. It's definitely, like, on the up. It also kind of, like, set the standard that the women can do, like, whatever the men can do. Yeah. And... That, like, literally, we were just seeing on Rampage this week, uh, a match that nearly made it into my 
honourable mentions, TJ versus uh, the Bunny and Pen- Penelope Ford. I'd like that street fight. And again, it just it just shows that like the women's division's come such a long way in AW in the last 12 months. And this match also was very important, like you say, because it showed that AW would show this. They will show women bleeding. Yeah. They will yeah, show no, they will show you Rip Baker. I mean, it's, all, it's yeah. in the intro of the dime right now, like Rip Baker's face mm. covered in blood. Yeah. Although <laughs> Brit apparently Brit had to like fight for like certain spots in the match, didn't she? <laughs> I said she yeah. had to fight for the thumbtack spot. She had to but, fight for But as you said, it wasn't just a shocking spectacle. It was a very good match as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like the, the thing is now after this match, every time Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa are standing across the ring from one another, you get excited because you're thinking, oh, fuck, are we going to get Britt and Thunder Rosa again? Yeah. And they are very much like Batman and the Joker to each other. Yeah, um, and, and this is also, it also felt a lot like this This was the match that sort of proved that Britt was ready to be champion. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think Britt wouldn't, if, if this match had been a flop, I, I think Britt's title reign might have not well, happened. Well, yeah, it just not happened. They would have just put it on someone else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was excellent. I loved it. Yeah, it was incredible. Like two, like I mean, Britt Baker's been like she's like she says, like, unironically in her promos, she's been like the the sort of the backbone of the division from day one. But then like people like Thunder Rosa who've come in and just elevated everyone around them. Yeah. And this is yeah. the proof right here that you know that it's moved in the right direction and that, and that we are going places. Fantastic, yeah. Um excellent. Uh I'm going to go with another, again, I think this is like a recency bias here, isn't it? But I'm going with another one from earlier in the year. Like a lot of, like, like UJ, a lot of my earlier ones uh, in the bottom, like half of my top 10. Because I think you just generally more perceive, you generally just draw more to the ones that happened more recently. But I'm going for uh, Eddie Kingston and John Moxley versus the Young Bucks from AEW Dublin, I think. Uh, I spoke very a bit during our awards podcast about how Eddie Kingston was my breakout star of the year. And I said that this match in particular, this felt really important. Like this felt like this felt like everything's back to everything's good now. Like we're back to not normal, but you know, this was the first time Eddie Kingston had appeared in front of a, a live crowd at AW. Yeah. Um the, the, the reaction when Moxie Kingston came out was just biblical. Like it was it was just it was just pure just joy into my soul. Like just hearing all those people go absolutely ballistic for Eddie Kingston, John Moxie. It's like Moxie kicks the door open and they walk out, and then everyone's like going nuts. Moxie just skies that bottle of water. Eddie Kingston just slapping hands. You know, it, it was just ah. Oh, I mean, it, it, the match itself absolutely fucked. It was incredible. But, and it wasn't even Kingston that lost the match as well, which yeah. made it even weirder. She would have thought instantly, "Oh, Kingston's taking the pin here." There were like three moments where I was like, "Hang on, they might just put the belts on them here because they're so over." Yeah, and there were like three big near falls in that match. Where like you're like, oh shit, they're doing it. <laughs> it was just, but even if this match wasn't, even if this match was boilerplate average, that entrance alone would have put it on my top ten because it was just after so long. Of, I mean, res- wrestling was fine. AEW did a great job during during like the, the the main pandemic era of 2020 of carrying on and, and sort of putting the, the the wrestlers in the crowd and at least having some sort of crowd presence, but. We all kidded ourselves that we didn't need the crowds, and then as soon as we saw this pay per view in this match, we we're like, "Oh no, we we were lying to ourselves the whole time. Like yeah. we, we we do need this. We do, we need this really badly." Well, yeah, to to kind of like pull back back the curtain, this was like the first time we were all watching a pay per view together, all in the same room. Yeah, yeah. And all of us kind of like took a minute, didn't we? When the we saw the crowd there, went, "Whoa!" Like this crowd are fucking red hot. Yeah. It was incredible. It was really good, and the like I said, the match itself was excellent. And yeah, I, I'd love. At some point, for Moxie and Kingston to have a run with the tag belts, if, if that's something that can happen, because I think they do really good work with them. Um, but yeah, 
Yeah. So, so next up then, Aaron, can we have your um, your number seven, please? Yeah, uh, back to GCW because that, that's where the heart is <laughs> <laughs> this year. Hate to say it. <laughs> uh, homecoming night one. Uh, uh, this was second half of the year, so we've not spoken about it. Uh, Nick Gage versus Matt Cardona. Oh, the Deathmatch King. The Deathmatch King. Ugh. Well, the Deathmatch, uh, the Deathmatch King taking on Nick Gage. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I hate him so much. He's on, but... he's on Mount Rush, Rushmore of Deathmatch wrestlers. I mean, they wouldn't uh... even put him to face Jericho because he was too violent. They have to get Nick Gage instead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate both ears. <laughs> <laughs> um, the match itself, obviously, at this point, Matt Cardona was a heat magnet because he called himself the Deathmatch King. He came out wearing a crown. He, yes, he done deathmatch stuff. Fair play. Worked the crowd up like mad for weeks. He even done the whole surprise the show before to come out. Done the John Moxley swagger. Took his hood off as Matt Cardona. Wee. There we go. Uh, <laughs> A little bit of Mount Rushmore deathmatch wrestling there. <laughs> uh, he's an absolute arsehole, but you're meant to absolutely. Just don't repeat Gage for the title. Yep, that's this one. Ricky Shane Page, who's in the dick. Yep, Ricky Shane Page, who was a baby face at the start, was a heel at the end. Ricky Shane Page turns heel, turns more times in one match than the Big Show does all year. Genuinely. (laughs) I mean, he did wrestle the Big Show later in the year, so maybe that's why. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, if you haven't seen it, it's just, it's, it's pretty good of Matt Cardona just being a dirty heel. And it, Nick Gage being your hero, basically. It's the closest I think we'd ever get to John Cena wrestling a deathmatch. Yeah. yeah. Genuinely, yeah. It's... Like, one, one thing I'd love to see is John Cena showing up in, like, GCW or PWG. Just for just and for one match. Just for one <laughs> match, yeah. And just to see, the, like, how the crowd take him. <laughs> and this was, like, because he was, he was really amping up, like, his WWE side, wasn't he? And... It, it, yeah. Like the heel work he did was excellent. He, he really even cool. came out to Zack Ryder's music. Yeah. That's how ridiculous it was. Incredible. And, and the and fact after, that he had after, thrown did, actual pizza cutters at him. You can say afterwards, didn't he like put a picture like CM Punk did of like the title in the fridge? Yeah. 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 He was, like, he was literally comparing himself to like CM Punk Chicago. Uh, he, yeah. the rank. He, he wore it all white as well in that match. And then after yeah. them, like afterwards, uh, his gear was definitely not white. No, it was just red. It was ridiculous. But didn't he also post a picture like the next day of him like in Disneyland with Chelsea? Um, yeah, like covered, like still like all like fucking suits and all sorts, and like all his, yeah, like, that, all his wounds like taped up and stuff. There was literally a photo of his arm where he took takes off a bandage on his arm, and there's just a hole there that's still seeping out <laughs> blood. It's like yeah. it, he, he's, he put it. He tweeted the picture out of his bed sheets as well that he had to pay for. <laughs> it was just like it literally looked like he'd had like impromptu surgery in his bed. It is horrible. There's a lot. Oh. Of <laughs> I mean, 2021 threw us a lot of curveballs, but I don't think any of us saw that coming, do we? No. <laughs> the king of the death match himself, Matt Cardona. No. As I, as I say, I absolutely hate him, but you were meant to hate him, so fair play to so, him. In that respect, he was perfect. He, yeah, he done his job. He done exactly what he was meant to do. So. Sweet. Um, moving on from that, Jay, follow that with your number seven, please, mate. Um, I'm going to go for a match that was equally violent, but in a different way. And that was Walter versus Tommaso Ciampa from NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver. Oh. Um, 
the fact that Walter won this match by chopping Champa in the heart so hard that Champa couldn't move says all you need to know. Really, there was a bit where he went he went to chop Champa on the announce table, put his hand through the announce table. Yeah, um, and that probably wasn't even gimmicked either. Oh no, it was it was definitely gimmicked. But it, it <laughs> oh no, he, he just went straight to the solid wood. Like they didn't need it to be. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it was it was just a really hard hitting match. Champa like more than held up his end of it as well, like giving it just as good as he got. It it's one of them we were talking before about Champa in war games and me worrying about his neck when he took that spear. Every single move Walter did to Champa, I was fucking terrified that he was going to injure Champa. <sighs> yeah, and th- there was a bit where he like had Champa like leaning on the top rope and he was stamping on his neck, um, and it. That's the thing with Walter as well. Like, it's weird that he's in WWE because he's the kind of guy you wouldn't expect to see in WWE. And if you did, if you did, you'd think they'd tell him to change his style. But they haven't for Walter. He's still doing Walter things, chopping people's souls out of the body, stiffing the living shit out of them, dumping them on the head. It's like, what if they rebooted the Teletubbies like next week? Except Tinky Winky's like Freddy Krueger. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. Um. But yeah, this is um, one of two Walter matches I've got on my list. Uh, I think we know what the other one is. Yeah. But yeah, this this was this was excellent. It was a really good match. Um, I think it was my favourite match from that like weekend of shows. Um, because they did like a two night takeover for WrestleMania, didn't they? So yeah, it was it was just really fucking stiff. Yeah, sweet. Um, sound. I'm going for my number seven. I'm going to have Andrade versus Pac One which was from the AW Rampage, 10th September. So this was the match that was supposed to be on All Out, where you got pushed because Pat couldn't make it. Uh, this also introduced me to what is a sleeper contender for feud of the year, which is Andrade versus Bumping to the Outside. Because <laughs> he just decided, like, that's going to be my thing now. I'm just going to do all the bumps to the outside. Yeah. Uh, this, this match was just insane. It was just two guys. I think the other one was a bit more brutal, but I think this one technically was a little bit better. Yeah, it was cleaner. I think it was Blitz who went, yeah. R- 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 Rampage stealthily had some of the best AW matches on TV this year. Yeah. More so than Dynamite, I'd say. I think, I think the hit rate on Rampage, I know it's just a, a, a short show, but I, I looking at my list, there's a lot of Rampage matches on here and not, not that many Dynamite matches. Uh, Rampage is heavily based on the wrestling matches, isn't it? Yeah. Compared to actual interviews and promos and things. So. But yeah, this this match. I mean, it, it, they they said it was going to be a pay per view match on TV, and they weren't lying. Yeah, it like, was very good. This is just what happens when two of the best flippy boys in like the Northern Hemisphere just go at it for like fifteen minutes. Yeah, that's there's no argument here. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was both both matches were that's the thing. Yeah, like, like, and Ronnie Pack Two was also excellent. And you, if you could say if you said you preferred it because the, the finish was cleaner, then I can get behind that. Yeah. That's fair. God, I remember this was back in the day when we still wanted Ric Flair to come in. How <laughs> times change, eh? Uh, <laughs> right, moving swiftly on then. <laughs> Aaron, can we have your numero six, please? Uh, let's talk about Goldberg, shall we? Dadberg. Dadberg, but not the Royal Rumble match that had his match of the year on the awards. We're okay. going to Crown Jewel versus Bobby Lashley. Uh, now this is anywhere. 2021's been weird because it's almost been like the rehabilitation of Goldberg hasn't it because like yeah. coming into 2021 he was not in a good place in the eyes of the wrestling community no but this, I, I think they've found the niche of just 
let him brawl on the outside or give him an ODQ match. Or... I think it's really, I remember that Brock Lesnar match from a few years ago that everyone loved. What if he just does that loads? Just do that loads <laughs> yeah. more and more. Because yeah. Yeah. that was really fun. <laughs> The, they've, they've figured it out, basically. I don't, I don't want him to drop the Undertaker on his face. I want him to, like, <laughs> I want him to just do fun fighting. Uh, so, basically, that's what you got at Crown Jewels. Goldberg versus Lashley. Hitting each other with weapons. Spears galore. Um, and the finish as well, just off the ramp. Surprisingly, out of nowhere. It wasn't like you'd seen the mat or anything. It's not like it was a giveaway that they were going flying off the ramp. So, when it did happen, you're like, holy fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and this match was like the to throw it back to obviously we have to have our mandatory TNA comp- comparison here. Um, this was like the, the the evil twin of the years back um, street fights that Bobby Lashley and Scott Stein used to have. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure it was quite a long match for a Goldberg match as well. It was yeah, it didn't go yeah, eleven eleven minutes. There you go. I mean, in Goldberg in Goldberg minutes, that's like forty five. Exactly that, and that's it, fucking hour Broadway, not Goldberg minutes, mate. <laughs> And it was very good as well. It wasn't like, as I say, well, obviously it's going to be very good if it's in my top 10 of the year, eh? <laughs> I thought it is. Aye. Uh, so, yeah, I'm doing that since I already spoke about McIntyre in the first half of the year. So, there you go. Uh, okay. Uh, Jay, you're number six, please, mate. So, I did have the Super Elite <laughs> Dark Order down, but we already spoke about that. So, I'm going to dip into the Honorables and uh, go for Walter versus Dragunov, too. Um, I've, I've got it in my honorables as well, so there you go. It was a ve- I, I think this would have probably t- like easily topped Troy's list. I know yeah. how much he loved this match. Um yeah. and he probably bought it for his match of the year as well. Um yeah, it was just a really, really like hard hitting match. Obviously, that it was completely different, but also similar to the first match they had. The first match obviously being like behind closed doors and an empty arena or an empty studio rather. Um this match had fans in the crowd and I I was worried that it was going to kind of like take away how hard hitting it was because the first match you could hear how hard hitting it was you could hear every chop you could hear every but the crowd were actually like almost silent watching it because they were not because they were bored because they were just kind of like enamored by it um match finished with Ilya basically just like withstanding everything Walter threw at him and making Walter tap out as well in like a rear naked choke, which the fact the fact that not only did he beat Walter, but he beat him by submission. Not even his finisher. Yeah. Not even his finisher, yeah. Walter's yeah. finisher. Um yeah. really kind of and it was what Walter won the first match with by Ilya passing out. Yeah. It really kind of like solidified like how big a deal it was that Walter not only Walter lost but that Ilya beat Walter like that and it was his first singles loss in WWE as well there yeah yeah excellent choice Um, and again a lot lot of people have that as a match of the year like a top you know top 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 even WWE themselves have it in their top five so yeah and it's also the fact that all the build up was on AST UK and they fought the first one was an absolute banger. Let's put the second one on a US takeover. Yeah, like that's this match is too big for this like full, slightly forlorn brand. We need to put yeah. this on. Like we need to put eyes on this. Like let's move it to like the proper NXT. Yeah, that's how big a deal it was. So yeah, and it worked. The second one was just as good, if not better, than the first one. Yeah, 
Uh, right, my number six then. Uh, I had Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker Lights Out, which has already been talked about. Uh, excellent match. Uh, so instead, I'm going to throw in one of my honorable mentions, which is a match that I think caught all of us by surprise. And that was MJF versus Darby Allen at Full Gear. Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> Fuck! That's your number one. Uh, I've got it at number three. So there you go. I don't think any of us were ready for this. No, I think it caught us all like completely cold, in, but in the best possible way. Like this was this was a, a lovely surprise. Um, I hate I hyped this match up so much on a review for the pay per view. Yeah, like easily MJF's best match. Yeah, mm. easily he he, like, he did things in this match that I never thought he'd be able to do. That that was the whole point of this match as well. Yeah, yeah, and then. Yeah, it, it was it was fantastic. The, the, the finish, obviously, there was the, your, stand, your, your classic. There was your classic MJF fuckery, but it wasn't just like he clocks Darby and then pins him. It was he clocks Darby and then does what he said he was going to do, and he beats him with a headlock takeover. <laughs> it was shit. it was just beautiful in its in its sort of dickheadery. It was fantastic, and then as like a little a little sort of coda, a little sort of epilogue, you had that fantastic promo he caught after the match as well. Oh, that was awesome. That was tremendous. Where he was saying about like how people... He was like screaming into the camera like people only thought he was good on the mic and he couldn't do it in the ring. Yeah, I'm, oh, I'm with you now. It was the whole, it was, it. This match was the whole package. It was everything. And Darby, give Darby his credit. He just bumped his face off like he normally does. And took mm. some sick, sick, sick bumps, which is kind of becoming Darby's... Oh, it's always been Darby's thing, really, hasn't it? Um, but he was excellent. He, was ex- he, he played his part in this match to perfection. Um, yeah. Right, okay. Uh, me for yeah, number five. Number five. Half, halfway through, boys. The halfway point. Halfway. Slamming through. Uh, so I'll go back to GCW uh, WrestleMania weekend. As we all know, I spent about three days on the trot watching about 12 shows from them. It was ridiculous. <laughs> um, this was like this was like the collective, wasn't it? Where it was like all the- it was. It was literally about what was it, forty quid or something for about all twelve shows on that weekend. It was ridiculous. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were they were all pretty good shows, to be fair. Um, this one is a standout. It made me really like a wrestler in particular from GCW. Uh, RS Spring Break. We're going to Blackheart Leo Rush versus Jordan Oliver. <clears throat> um, obviously we know who Leo Rush is. He's debuted in AEW. He's very well known from being on Raw as Bobby Lashley's mic man. Um, it's Bobby Lashley's flavour flow. Yeah, pretty much. But he is a very good wrestler. Uh, uh, Jordan Oliver, he's, I think, I'm sure he's like 22 years old or something ridiculous like that. It's You're young enough to make us all hate him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he has an amazing theme song. We spoke about it on our top 10 songs as well. Yeah. Uh, uh, he's a very good wrestler for his age. He's starting to get all your big matches as well. There's him and another wrestler we'll speak about later on. It's like the two young pillars of GCW. Um, yeah, it, it was just it was a 20-minute match of just a tall guy versus a small guy, and it went very fast, very hard hitting. And honestly, Blackheart Leo Rush is scary as shit as well. Give us that in AEW, please. Get, yeah. get him in the house of black. Give, give us Mickey Boy Leo Rush. Let's go. 
Yeah, but yeah, I've, it's genuinely just a solid match. Go watch it if you've got 20 minutes free time. Fair, it's yeah. fantastic. Cool. Uh, Jalen? Um, my number five was what I actually voted for uh, as my pick for match of the year in our awards because other people picked other matches. <laughs> um, and that was Brian Danielson versus Minoru Suzuki from the Rampage pre-show. This was a match AW at the fucking audacity to put out on free on YouTube. Against Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. <laughs> yeah, against the last like half an hour of SmackDown. Um, well, no, it wasn't even Roman and Brock. That was uh, Ali versus Ruby uh, Ruby Soho. Uh, there um, you go then. Also yeah. on the show, did we not have Lee Moriarty versus Bobby Fish? Which banged as well. With great respect to those guys, no one's talking about that much when they talk no. about the show. <laughs> well, yeah, it was a dream match anyway. Um, this was like in the height of the Minoru Suzuki made the tour of the USA because he didn't get put in the G1. So we just saw his ass and went to America to take it out on people. Um, and it was, for me, out of the matches I've seen, it was comfortably the best one. Um, they, they just beat the shit out of each other. For about twenty minutes, I'll, I'll forever be grateful for the various US promotions for how generous they were when booking Minoru Suzuki on this US tour. Yeah, yeah, because they didn't have to, but they gave us some like, like you say, some absolute dream matches. Mm. And the fact as well, like this this match in particular, um, it was it was like his he had some downtime. He was just like like in a coffee shop, and he got a call saying a uh, saying, "Do you want to wrestle Brian Danielson?" And, uh, for um, free on YouTube yeah in a dark match for AEW he was like yes yes I will fly out now <laughs> just like literally went to the airport and fucking did it um, yeah I mean Minoru Suzuki was my number two pick for wrestler of the year just because of some of the fucking wild matches he's had like he's fought Gresham he's fought Nick Gage he's Mox, fought Mox. I mean, I literally, I, we, we literally have to have someone has to make like a Minoru Suzuki Murder Tour twenty one t shirt with like all, the, all, yeah. all the matches on the back or something. Yeah. He did a bad murder on Daniel Garcia on one show. Yeah, um, he wrestled like Josh Alexander and you know Moxley and Brian and yeah, yeah. Oh, it was it, it was insane. But this match in particular stood out for me just because <laughs> it it was a match that I've I've always wanted to see. And it's, it had happened before, but it was when Danielson was a lot more inexperienced. He wasn't like what we've got now, which is the best wrestler in the world, in my opinion. Um, yeah. It was Suzuki doing Suzuki things, like no selling and laughing, and just murdering each other with chops and stiff strikes. Um, both guys' chests looked like fucking mince beef after this match as well. And it was just lovely. Love to see it. Yeah, this was like this. This, this was like peak. Brian Danielson just hitting Suzuki really hard, and Suzuki was laughing like a demon. Yeah, that's all it was. <laughs> yeah, Suzuki doing a, what he does best and just laughing at his his opponents. And the, the audacity that, to laugh at Brian Danielson as well is ridiculous. The, the fact that Danielson won with the stiffest Busai Huni I've ever seen him hit. <laughs> I think he could shoot Needham in the back of the head. I, I think. I think he had the- and shoot me Suzuki to like make sure that Suzuki would stay down <laughs> yeah this is excellent uh, it didn't make it on my list because and I'll, I'll go into it more because I've got some Brian Danielson matches on here and I'll, I'll, I'll go into that a bit more in a bit um, in fact I'll go into it right now because my fifth match of the, my, my fifth place match is and I had the fear when you started talking about your match Jay uh, when you started reading out it's Brian Danielson versus Kenny Omega 
that that was on my honourable mentions. So I'll tell you why I didn't put Suzuki on, but I did put some other brand. So it's only because I don't have that history of watching Minoru Suzuki as a competitor. Yeah, yeah. So I have other Brian Danielson versus people matches on here, but they're all other. So Brian Danielson's like the fixture, like the, the, the solid, the, the constant. He's excellent, obviously. Best. He makes a solid case for best wrestler of the year, best wrestler in the world at the moment. Um, all the other people I've put in this list are people who I've watched for like a couple of years who I've got a bit more of an emotional attachment to. Yeah. And that's the only reason why I chose them over Suzuki. The Suzuki match was excellent. But this, Jesus Christ, went as soon as Brian Downson's like signed to AW and as soon as he walked out, obviously he confronts Kenny Omega and like the internet just loses its collective shit. And it's like, oh shit, the Brian Downson versus Kenny Omega match is going to break the, the universe. And oh boy, it did. <laughs> and oh boy, did it, yeah. <laughs> and this was, was this Danielson's first match in AW? Yeah. It was, yeah. yeah. So this had an added, like, um, a little bit of danger in it because we didn't quite know like what state he was in. Like we know now that he's pretty okay and he's like he's not banged up and he's he's good to go. But like when Kenny was like throwing him out the ring onto his head and shit like that and like kicking him like feet triggering him like viciously in the neck, you're like everyone was yeah. just like, watching this going, oh Jesus Christ, this is the this is formerly medically retired Brian Danielson and Kenny <laughs> literally trying to kick his head off with his knee. <laughs> What's going on? I'm really scared. <laughs> I, like there was so many, so many cool spots, like all the bits. Like remember that, remember that massive V trigger that Kenny did all the way down the entrance ramp. Yeah, the, yeah. Like, uh, remember, yeah. like, remember when they just like got to that point where they were just like running and throwing the knees to each other's faces for like twenty minutes. It was, <laughs> it was insane. It, it was the first, to my knowledge, the first ever thirty-minute time limit draw in AW. No, um, Cody and Darby and Mox oh, yeah. and Park. True. Yeah. Um. Well. Moving on. Sorry, um, <laughs> sorry, mate. It's right. the first one this year. The first one this year, yeah. yeah. And it was, oh, it was a dream match. And every now and then, sometimes dream matches they don't look up to the hype. AJ Styles, Nakamura, WWE. Um, but every now and then, one comes along and it's everything you want it to be and a little bit more. And yeah, I even think the draw was a good way to because, like, obviously Brian was it was his first match. Kenny was the champion. It was specifically a non-title match. But I think the draw was perfect because it, it managed to elevate both guys, and it was just—it was breathless. It was just absolutely breathless by the end. It was everything yeah. you wanted it to be. It was incredible. Yeah, fifth place, only fifth place for that. Only fifth. Oh. Uh, right, number four uh, is going to be my last WWE WWE one altogether. Yep, WWE one number four. Uh, one that we were quite shocked by, the opening match of Crown Jewel, Edge versus Seth Rollins, or now named Seth Frickin' Rollins. Yeah, it's his official middle name, apparently. This is his official middle name. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the Hell in a Cell match, because boys, do you remember that when you actually build up a rivalry and it finishes off in Hell in a Cell? It makes more sense. It's a better match. I suppose oh, well, it's, it's, it's October, so we have to do Hell in a Cell now because that's the time of year we do Hell in a Cell. Yeah. Uh, it was just so good, the match itself, the build I, up towards it. I still haven't seen it. I need to watch it. Uh, it's a very good match. I remember you and Troy telling me how good it was. Um, it opened the show I, as well. Yeah. That's what the mad thing about it is. Uh, Jessica Carr was the referee for it in Saudi Arabia. That's a very, very big deal. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I um, personally requested it, didn't he? Yep. Uh, Edge is a big fan of her, so that seems to be a thing. 
Um, yeah, the match itself is ridiculous. It's like half an hour long. It's what a Hell in a Cell match should be. A vicious rivalry where two men absolutely hate each other, want to kill each other. Yeah, there's chairs and stomps and spears. All of it. Go watch it. It's fantastic. Sweet. Okay then, your number four, the please, Jerry. Number four, um, let's keep it with Brian Danielson uh, and let's keep it with a draw. Uh, Hangman vs. Danielson from Winter is Coming. was the longest match in AW history yeah they went an hour draw um, and it I think it was the the closest it's felt to like AW replicating a New Japan match in the sense that like the match itself wasn't like the fastest paced match there was there was parts where it was like quite like kind of drawn out like with Danielson just stomping the shit out of uh, Hangman for a bit or like working a limb, um, but for the most part, like for the, especially the last ten minutes, they were like full throttle, and it was there was like ebbs and flows where like obviously Hangman did that spot where he uh, hit the dead eye on the apron and then missed the spot through the table. Um, well, that table bump is like one of the gnarliest things I've seen all year. <laughs> yeah, there, there was the bit where like Danielson like opened Hangman up hard way on the ring post and. Yeah, and um, squeezed his head against the turnbuckle. Yeah, to like and, uh, make the blood literally bubble out of his face. Literally, <laughs> yeah, so they had to actually like check on Hangman, which AEW rarely do in like matches where they'll actually stop the match to check on a competitor. Yeah. Um, Danielson's heel work in this was outstanding. Like I'm doing jumping jacks in the ring while Hangman was like getting his, getting checked on, even after like Hangman had started working over his knee. The thing um, is, we seen that bit because it was during the break, but if you were in America and watched it on TNT, it would, you would have seen that. It would have been on Picture in Picture. They just uh, uh, well, yeah, uh, yeah, there you go. Um, and yeah, then literally like the absolute goal of uh, Brian Danielson to skin the cat with like a minute left of the match after going for 59 fucking minutes. Um, and he, and I, we, we said this on like, Various times, but he Danielson looked like he could have done another hour. Yeah, oh, yeah, he, he didn't look like he barely, he looked like he barely broke a sweat. Um, and it obviously on Wednesday we've got the rematch, which I'm looking forward to. Um, and he was, uh, he was saying like how, oh, yeah, I if if it went to a judge's decision, I would have won that match, and he's right because he dominated the whole match. Um, well, they fed this into the. They had a promo on Dynamite this week where, like, Hangman was like, "The thing I've learned now is Danielson won't get tired. He won't get bored. I can't outlast him. I've just got to beat him." Yeah, yeah. and even down to the timing of the finish where Hangman hit the bookshot, and the second he like crawled over for the cover, the bell rang. Like his arm was in the air over Danielson's body when the bell yeah. rang. Like about um, to come down for the cover. It was uh there's, there's so much to like in this match. Like um like you said, they, Brian um Danielson had his knee worked over, but he also at the same time worked over Hangman's shoulder so he couldn't hit the book up as prop as, as heavily. Um yeah, it was it was excellent. They, they, they just they just they told the best story in this match. Like I know they had a lot of time to do it, but Jesus Christ, they used it didn't feel it didn't feel like um gratuitous, like they used every minute effectively. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, as as I say, I compared this to New Japan. I feel like AEW trying to make this their like Okada Omega. Yeah, um, I, I feel as if the the next match isn't going to be the last time we see Hangman and 
Brian face off. I think we're probably going to get a third. And um, I mean, I've got no problem with that. I've got no, you know, I've got no issue with that. I'm quite excited for it. And something else we've talked about as well a lot is that just Brian Brian Danson looks like he's having a time of his life in this feud. Yeah, he's having such good fun, like <laughs> just being an absolute bellend. Yeah, well, uh, as I said that on the the day one live stream last night, um, when we were talking about Brian Danielson, that the fact that he said when he was in WWE, he was basically doing a parody of wrestling. <laughs> that was his style. Yeah. Um, and then now he's like, now he's back to being a wrestler again, not a sports entertainer. And it, it's nice to see. Everyone's getting their fucking head kicked yeah. <laughs> Including Danielson, there was that brilliant moment towards the end where Hangman just grabbed Danielson's hands and started kicking his head in. Yeah. Which yeah. was lovely. Yeah. It was oh, I mean you could you could this match was an hour long. You could you could almost talk for an hour about it. It's those it was that it was that like rich and shot through with like little details. Yeah. Uh, as I say, it really definitely like whet the appetite for the, uh, the second one. Yeah, I only realized when I watched Rampage yesterday that it's happening this week and I got really excited. Yeah, Wednesday. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, right, for my number four, then, I'm going to have uh, CM Punk versus Eddie Kingston from AEW Full Gear. Yeah, when, uh, when a match starts, not with a ring bell, but with Eddie Kingston backfisting CM Punk to the floor, you know it's uh, you know it's going to be a slightly different kettle of fish to what AEW normally serves you up. Yeah, it's, uh, that backfist made him bleed, was it not? Was it not that backfist that made him bleed? Some of them made him bleed. I mean, it it, it knocked it literally knocked him silly. Like it knocked yeah. him straight down, knocked him on his ass. And from then on, that that's at the tone. This was again another match that didn't have a great amount of build, but when you're ready, Kingston CM Punk, all you need is two five minute promo segments. Yeah, and we're there, and it's and it becomes the most one of the most anticipated matches on a staff card. Um, this was just a it was just a big nasty brawl, wasn't it, for like twelve minutes of just two fellas beating the piss out of each other. There was shortest no shortest match on the card as well. There was the shortest match on the card. Yeah. There was no, there was no, there was no finesse in this. There was no flippy bits. There were no high spots. It was just two guys beating the shit out of each other because they didn't like each other. And yeah, it was the closest I think we got to seeing heel CM Punk. Yep. Yeah. Because I mean, this no. was like this. This match was literally the week that Eddie Kingston put out that Players Tribune article. Which just made him like the most celebrated baby face on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> and then CM Punk was like, I'm just gonna beat you up, mate. <laughs> so don't worry about it. Um, oh, it was it was so so good. Um, and again, if we talked about the MGF Derby promo following the match, this was that really cool CM Punk promo after this match as well. Where he's there, like in the back, and he's got like blood pouring down his face and an ice pack on his head, and he just spits a big glob of blood on the floor, and he's like, Yeah, day by day I'm starting to remember who the fuck I am. <laughs> and it's like, oh shit! It's Eddie Kingston broke Fun Punk. Like now, there's only horrible Punk left. Yeah, I can't wait for him to uh, start doing nasty things to people. So yeah, um, it's. I, I also I just want to uh, actually. I'll, yeah, this is no, no. I'll wait until I go three. Don't worry, I've got another thing to say about Eddie Kingston, but I'll, I'll leave that for a little, a little next time. Uh, Aaron, do you want to go with your number top? Th- went to the top three now. Do you want to go with your yeah. number three? Well, I would, but mine's already got mentioned with Darby Allen and MJF. So, I've said right. I've got two more. AEW's. Uh, um, I think it might be a forgotten one because it was very, very early on in the year. Uh, New Year's Smash. Oh, Kenny Phoenix. Kenny Phoenix. Mm. Oh, this That's is when, 
we all knew Phoenix was good, but we didn't know he was that good. He didn't know he could be a main event player on his own. Oh boy, how how we were proved wrong, yeah. Oh, I mean, is it a shocker that one of the best tag team wrestlers on the planet is actually also one of the best single wrestlers on the planet? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, and then when I, you put him in a match with Kenny Omega, your chance of match of the year drastically up. Yeah, and it was one of the first matches of the year, so. It yeah, was, from, from like the 6th of January or something, was it? Yeah, it was the first week it was of the, the year. It was the same day as Wrestle Kingdom. Oh, shit, okay, yeah. Like, the, the match itself was fast-paced, like you'd expect a Ray Phoenix match to be. Kenny Omega was slowly becoming the cunt that he came to be. He wasn't quite fully there just yet, but he was getting there. Uh, yeah, like, Phoenix... That's all I've got to say, really. <laughs> yeah, no, this is. I remember, I remember we talked quite a bit about this on the on the uh, six month in Macvia show. Yeah, and yeah, this this match was ridiculous. Um, it was like a period, wasn't there, where like AW just used the Lucha Bros or various combinations of Death Triangle versus another tag team, normally the Young Bucks, to just put on a banger at the start of every Dynamite. Yeah, it was. Like, there's one where it, I think it was Pent on Pack versus the Bucks in opening match. Yeah. And it's just ridiculously good. That nearly made it on, that, was, uh, that nearly made on my list. Yeah. Yeah, then you had Pack and Phoenix versus the Bucks. That was when they won the Battle Royal, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, fuck me. Yeah. I mean, right. Phoenix is ridiculous on his own. Even in a tag team, he's fantastic. He's a hot tagger boy that we love to see. He does his shit. Oh, and Kenny Omega is the best in the world. So there you go. Yeah, sweet. I mean, it's a, it's a, I say an oldie, but it's a, it's a casty man's. God, man, 2021 was a long year, wasn't it? Casty, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you haven't seen that, if you, if you, if you can't remember it, or if you've forgotten about it, go and check it out because I remember it being an absolute banger. Uh, yeah. Top pick there on. Um, Jay, your number three, please, mate. Um, the main event of night two of Wrestle Kingdom, Jay White versus Kota Ibushi. This match absolutely fucking slapped. Uh, it was the longest match in Wrestle Kingdom history, and it didn't feel like it. Like when we were watching it live, we literally felt like it was like about 20 minutes. It was like 55 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they didn't let up at all. Like, like you'd expect from both guys. Both guys are fucking lunatics. Um, there was a lot of like dropping each other on each other's heads on the apron. Um the whole match was just fucking expecting Jay White to finally like just destroy Kota Ibushi's dreams and he was being a horrible bastard for the whole thing um yeah it, it I, whatever I say about it, it's not going to do it justice I, I spoke at length about it during the first half of the year thing it was fucking phenomenal just go and watch it so. Yeah, you've got to remember that Abushi went like 35 minutes the night before as well. Against Naito, yeah. Against Naito, who both like to drop each other on their heads every single time they fight each other. And they did. They and they did. <laughs> <laughs> so, just to see Abushi go 55 minutes the night after, it was ridiculous. I think this was one of the things for, as well for me that kind of solidified Jay White as like a top guy in New Japan. Because they've, they've been trying to sort of, like, have him as, like, the guy to fill Kenny Omega's, like, the void that he left. If you want if you want to use a, a, a sort of um, an analogy true, I'd understand. They've been trying to make JY happen for a while, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> and this to say, because obviously he, he, I think he was sort of overpushed a little bit when like Kenny and the Bucks left because he had to fill the void. Well, yeah, I mean the fact that they like pretty much the it was like I think it was the about three weeks after Kenny and the Bucks left, he put the world title on Jay. Yeah, and it was uh, like boom. Twenty twenty one felt like or like the last sort of year or so felt like him really coming, him arriving. Yeah, and like yeah. fulfilling that that sort of that sort of promise that, that he was sort of supposed to. He's finally got the switchblade character to perfection as well. I think this year. That, that the only good thing about the Bullet Club these days as well makes me like just think he just needs to get out of there. Yeah, right. It's a shame to say that, but stop trying to make Bullet Club a thing. It's a bit stale now, isn't it? Sad Bullet Club noises. <laughs> yeah. So, when you've got when you've got like the House of Torture, which like. Kevin Kelly's shoot hates because he thinks dog shit. <laughs> Fair. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure he said. Um, he said something like, "Ask for your money back from New Japan World if you're watching this shit or something." <laughs> Jesus, burying his own show. Yeah. Fair enough. On some a professional Kevin Kelly as well. Can't wait for that at Wrestle Kingdom. <laughs> Uh, right then, we'll have my number three. I'm really glad that no one's picked this. Not because it, uh, you know, I guess I just want uh, this is my little special pick, and uh, it means a lot to me this match. Um, it is Brian Danielson versus Eddie Kingston from AW Rampage, 29th of October. Now, this is a match. It was the semi-final or the quarter-final, semi-final in the um, title tournament that was eventually won by Danielson. <laughs> Um, and this match on a, a random episode of Rampage, this match got a standing ovation from the, the live crowd yeah. because beloved blue collar battler Eddie Kingston went out there to try his hardest, and Brian Danielson beat the ever loving shit out of him. Just out wrestled him, then stood on his head, <laughs> and then <laughs> shoved him the fuck out. <laughs> and Eddie Kingston just literally went out there, like knowing that he probably couldn't win. Yeah, knowing that Brian Danielson was younger than him, better than him, actually not even sitting like two years older than, him. but knowing that Brian Danielson was better than him in pretty much every metric, and he was just going to try and ball it out, and he couldn't. He gave it everything. He he, he literally he, he pulled everything out of the out of his guts. He pulled all of his determination out. He he stood up defiant, and he just got put on his ass time and time again to the point where he couldn't get up anymore, and then he got choked the fuck out. And it was perfect. I loved, it was I the, loved per- the build up to this as well, where like Dan- it was the first time um, Danielson was sort of teasing, like turning heel when he was like saying to Eddie, "You need to put the fucking work in." Yeah, he's like, "I'm still a good guy, but like, he's your favorite, and I'm going to embarrass him." Yeah, yeah. and it was like, "Oh, okay." Um, and yeah, like I said, this this match got us like halfway through. They had they had like a reset, like sort of two or thirds of this match where they both got back in the ring and sort of like squared off, and and the crowd just stood up and applauded like spontaneously, like near enough the entire yeah. to a man, like the entire crowd in the arena. It was unbelievable. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say a little of the matches. The, the matches the matches excellent. Go and watch it. It's it's phenomenal. I'm so happy that on a list of my ten favorite matches of 2021 that I can put three Eddie Kingston matches on there. Yeah. Because I talked about this when, when, when Eddie Kingston won Breakout Star in the award show. And it's just so beautiful to see that he's finally arrived at this point where he can not only be on 
a nationally televised show, but he can also be like one of the most popular acts on the roster, and he can and he can still put on these great matches and tell great stories in the ring. And I'm really happy that AEW's given him a platform to do that because if you know wrestling's full of people who never quite got their dues, who never quite made it to where they should have been, and who like never quite got to the big leagues. And it always looked like Eddie Kingston was going to be one of those guys until about 18 months ago, when it, in a pandemic of all times, he was given this opportunity. And it's it's really really I'm really happy that it happened that way for him because he's he I, I, I love him I, I mean I'm, I'm it's a well known fact I'm an Eddie Kingston so yeah there you go <laughs> <laughs> right then we're going to the top two Aaron do you want to take it away with your number two please mate um I'm going to take you to Japan um I I again this is actually in my top ten I had to do a cheesy it's two and one um I've went. Will Ospreay versus Shingo Takagi in the New Japan Cup and Wrestling Dontaku. I couldn't decide which one was better, boys. I hate to say. So you just thought, <laughs> oh, I'll just pick two then. Don't worry. Don't worry about the rules. I'll, it's fine. I'll I'll just put the two of them in the same thing. It's fine. <laughs> I, I was going to say, to be fair, they've had like what? It's like three or four matches this year. Um, and every no, single one's been incredible. In the past like three years, they came up and they were in the finals of the Best of Super Juniors. Then they went to the finals of the G1 together as well. That was this year. Like they've constantly been at each other. They've been brought up to the heavyweight division together. They've been head to head constantly. And this year they had two absolutely banging matches. Uh, one for the New Japan Cup and one was for the world title. So, like, yeah. what can I say? And every time they have a match, it's at least 25 minutes long. And it's always fast-paced. Um, Osprey doing Osprey things. Shingo being a powerhouse. And it's just ridiculous speed. Shingo was never a fucking super junior, is he? No, he was never. <laughs> he was never 200 pounds or 100 kilograms or whatever the weight limit is. He was born a heavyweight. He was born a heavyweight. Um, yeah, the two of them together, it's ridiculous chemistry. I'm surprised, like... It doesn't go stale every time they have a match. They always find some way to make it amazing, but just be as brilliant as they've always been against each other. It's, I think it's my favourite like two to go after each other every time I see them on a card. like It's the match that I go, oh, here we go again. Let's go. Like, if, you've, if you've ever watched any like the four big matches in the past two or three years that they've had, they're always fantastic. So, and these two solidified it this year, going in the New Japan Cup and for the world title. So, right, it just shows you New Japan have got so much investment in these two as well. Like, it's not all about Okada and Tanahashi anymore, even though it probably will be in January, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's They're trying. What? I was going to say, I think it's going to be probably more about Okada and Shingo next year. They yeah. seem to be like really pushing Shingo as like the next guy to fill that like sort of spot. It's, it, the, this year, it's ridiculous. Like, I'm scared for Wrestle Kingdom. Like, the two main events are going to be ridiculous. Whoever wins the first one as well. I'm very excited for Okada and Shingo. Oh, it's, it's going to be so stiff. Oh. <laughs> You, you, you can tell I've just like came myself a little bit just talking about it. <laughs> I just, 
sad shingo noises. <laughs> sad shingo noises. <laughs> one rain, um, one rainmaker, and all that, you know. <laughs> one. It's going to take at least four for, to put shingo away. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, go watch either of their matches this year and from the previous years as well. They're all fantastic. Yeah, agreed. Fair. Uh, sound your number two then, Jay. Um, this is one that I know for a fact a load of people won't have seen, and that should change because it's a fucking awesome match. Uh, and that was a kid versus Jordan Devlin and I am a match on NXT UK. I did see this match. You did see this match because you reviewed it with me, and you can attest it was very good. Oh, it was fucking excellent. Um, so literally the fit it was a thirty minute I am a match, and the first like twenty minutes there wasn't a single fall, and then the last ten minutes there was three. Yeah, it was um, remarkably restrained for an IMA match. Yeah. Like in terms and of it, it, it was very like so a bit of backstory to it was that Jordan Devlin basically injured A Kid's knee by doing a horrible thing to it, like bending it the wrong way. It was scatty as fuck. Um made me do a little sick in my mouth when I saw it. Um <laughs> and then that like this was kind of like the revenge of it of it of A Kid basically. Uh Devlin goes one up. With, as I say, about 15 minutes to go, maybe 10 minutes left to go. Um, and then it's literally the rest of the match is just Aiken trying to like claw it back. I think with five minutes to go, he equals it. And then like literally right near the end, he gets Devlin to step out. And then it's just for the last like two minutes, Devlin trying to level it to get it to sudden death. And uh, I think, isn't he just about to pin Aiken at the end? There's something like a time thing. Is he putting a submission or something? Or I mean, he yeah. Does... Oh, he's got him in. He's got him in a cloverleaf and Aker just uh, just holds on. Yeah, um, it's 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 horrible. Like the last like the last like ninety seconds, are, like looks really uncomfortable. Yeah, um, <laughs> and this this match as well. It was a thirty minute Ironman match. It didn't feel like thirty minutes at all. It no. lit full lube. It was such a good match. When when, when he said you had like five minutes left, you're like, wait, what? It's been like ten minutes. What's going on? Yeah. Um, a genuinely really, really entertaining match. Uh, it was on the 5th of August for anyone who wants to go and hunt this match down. I would strongly recommend it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, excellent. Uh, so I had in this spot um, Brian Danielson versus Hangman Adam Page at Winter is Coming, which obviously we've talked about. Um, just seeing, looking through all my, I don't want to talk about. Uh, fuck it. Um, we talked about it briefly before, but I'm going to talk then about one of my honorable mentions. And again, this one sneaking in at the death, just to be, as the door slams shut. This is Anna Jay and Ty Conte versus the Bunny and Penelope Ford in the street fight. What a what a hell of a match this was! It sort of came out of nowhere. I mean, yeah, this is awesome. You've got you've got Ali like piss and blood everywhere. You've got Penelope Ford knee and Ty Conte in the face on a table. You've got table spots. You've got chairs. I mean, the match starts with Penelope, with um, Anna Jay just braining the bunny with a set of brass knuckles and just sort of carries on from there. Yeah, that's, that's generally how it starts. Brass knuckles and then blood and then everywhere. Ali just bleeds everywhere <laughs> for like the next 15 minutes. <laughs> At yeah. one point, like, there's, like they, they have their like um, table with like the bunny symbol on it. Like, you can tell it's a spooky table because it's, it's black and it's got all like graffiti on. And that's in a corner. And like Ali like slams Anna J through it, but like her blood, she has that much blood on her, her blood like literally is splattered off her face and it's all over the table. Yeah. It's insane. Um there's like uh, a a, a, a tie hits a pound over through a table on the outside. Yeah. 
it's like, what more can you say? The finish is Anna J locks in the Queen Slayer. With, oh, so yeah, earlier in the match, she puts she puts the Queen Slayer on uh, Ali, and then she just runs backwards into the table, and the force of that makes the blood from her head go all over the table. Yeah, is... how much blood is all <laughs> over her face right now? Yeah, yeah. And then the finish is Anna J locks the Queen Slayer with barbed wire. Throwback to John Moxley against Teddy Kingston. And you totally didn't even talk about the tax in no. the match either. Yeah, there's a superplex <laughs> on the full tax. Um, yeah, I mean, go and watch it. It's hilarious. It's good fun. It's ridiculous for a rampage match, a women's tag match as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah awesome. It was excellent. Um, yeah, give it a crack. It was really, really good fun. Um, and that's another one of my honorable mentions. Uh, Aaron, your final one. Um, you, you want to go through honorable mentions? Then we'll all do our number one. Well, what uh, if, what, I mean, I'm guessing two of us at least have the same number one. That's the I, 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 I won't. <laughs> I, I Aaron, do you want to do? Do you want to do your number one? Then we'll do honorable mentions. Then me and Jay will talk about our number one, which I think hey, is the same. Match. I've got one other honorable mention, which is in GCW, which I assume you don't have. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, my my one honorable mention I've got left is John Moxley versus Nick Gage, uh, Fight Club. That was a good match. Uh, brilliant match. Uh, the match had been set up six months beforehand. Um, they constantly just build up this match without even Moxley being in the arena at GCW and any of their shows. And then all of a sudden he randomly appears after Nick Gage gets the title back from Cardona. Yep. Six months later. Um, yeah. John Moxley helped elevate GCW even though he was rarely there. Who would have year. thought like GCW would book one of the better long-term storylines of the entire year in wrestling? Like yeah. the, 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 the Nick Gage, John Moxley saga... And like the the other wrestlers that sucked in, like Cardona and Ricky Shane Page, it's just been like it's just been such. I mean, even as like a guy who doesn't watch any GCW, I've been following it on social media and I've had a really good time keeping up with it. Yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. And e- even the match itself with lived up to expectation. It was fantastic. It was I'm, great. I'm gonna just pitch this now while it's fresh in my mind that we, we're doing a watch along for the Hammerstein Army. Yes, because it's meant to be Homicide versus John Moxley. Yeah. So So this might be Moxley's first match back. If, might, if that that's what they've been they've not said it outright. Human but, about that. Yeah. They've not said it outright, but that's what unless, unless Mox comes like the Babadook and attacks Hangman after <laughs> I mean, that's the but, most Moxie thing in the world, isn't it? Like what's your big Max back gonna be? AW pay per view, world title match against Hangman Page. Now I'm gonna do some mad shit in GCW. At the Hammerstein Ballroom. Yeah, at the Hammerstein Ballroom. Yeah. <laughs> Me and Homicide can kill it. Yeah. Uh, it's mad yeah. because the last time we saw Homicide and Moxie in the same ring, they were on the same side. In AW. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Moxley's helped GCW this year, even though he's been rarely there. It's I mean, he wore a GCW hoodie on an AW pay-per-view. On AEW, yeah. That's how much that was he used to love the... the match with Kojima, wasn't it? I think so, yeah. Yeah. He seems to love GCW, which is fair play to him. Um, if I get to see more John Moxley in GCW this year, I'll be happy. Yeah. Because yeah. every match he's had, they've been ridiculous. As I said, I've already named, what, two of them in this list so far? Yeah. In GCW, I mean, so there you go. From reading Moxley's book, which you're on the show, which is excellent, uh, you, really get the, you really get the impression that he just wrestles for the fuck of it because he loves it. Yeah. People, a lot of wrestlers say, like, oh, it doesn't matter. Like, Moxie's the type of guy, it doesn't matter where he's doing it, whether it's in front of 10,000 people in AW, whether it's in front of 100 people in a bingo hall. He just wants to wrestle. Yeah. 
I, I think that well with Mox is that like he, he's got like with GCW he's got the outlet to do like all the deathmatch stuff he wants which he's, he's got that itch back for yeah, <laughs> which he's allowed to do occasionally in AEW but not often yeah whereas he can kind of like he, he can kind of like meet the quota for it if you will yeah he's got he's GCW. got way more power He's like the Hulk Hogan in the GCW where he goes, brother, I want a death match. Give me it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, a, it's the big standout rivalry from GCW this year. It's been fantastic. Fair play to GCW for giving us it. So this was your match of the year, was it? This was your number one? No, this, that was just honourable Oh, mention. general mention. Okay, fair enough. Fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> right, then what's your number one, then, mate? Uh, my number one is GCW Tournament of Survival uh, 6 Final. Um, Atticus Koger versus Alex Colon. Um, very, very ridiculous death match. Um, Alex Colon, a legend in the game. Uh, Atticus Koger, the other pillar to Jordan Oliver in GCW this year. Um, he came up as Ricky Shane Page's protege. He's now stepping up to the plate, being the guy. Oh, it's fantastic to see him be a cunt with his skewer sticks. you love to see it. <laughs> uh, th- this is both men's third match of the night, death match of the night. Jesus, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's grotty, it's beautiful. Oh, you love to see it. Um, even though Akis Koger doesn't win, Alex Cologne puts him over like mad. Uh, the crowd absolutely love to hate Atticus Koger, I love to hate him. Even though he was in a number one containership rumble last night and everyone cheered when he came out before they decided to say fuck you, Atticus, constantly. <laughs> uh, yeah, the match is fantastic. It's death match for him through a legend of game versus an up-and-comer. Third match of the night for both of them. Fantastic. Sound, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, my, 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 I think my New Year's resolution this year must uh, it's going to have to be to watch more GC, don't you? Uh, th- there is a few stinking shows as you've seen on our Discord. Yeah, but, but you know, I, I'm fat mate. I watched TNA for like fucking nine years. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I can live with that. yeah, yeah. Most most of them tend to be. I've, li- I've, I've lived in the desert, mate. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm I'm looking forward to the Hammerstein Stein show. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll, I'll make that. I think I'll make that my first and like come in, come in short. Who's have, have they announced who Jonathan Gresham's defending against you on that? A Blake Christian. Oh fuck! That's gonna that's gonna slap. Yep. <laughs> yeah, you haven't even you haven't even announced Eddie Kingston's opponent yet. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> He's there. He's just gonna fight like yeah. just the concept of wrestling. I've got a feeling we might get Effie versus Jeff Jarrett as well. Effie v Jeffy. <laughs> Effie versus Jeff. Who knew we would get that in twenty twenty two? A wild slap, not to be. Oh, right, so um, before me and Jay almost invariably pick the same match for our number one, we'll run through um, some honorable mentions. Jay, have you got any that you've not talked about yet that you'd like to throw in there? Yeah, I've actually got five. Uh, I'll just a few were a few were um, from like my earlier in the year stuff. So like uh, Riddle versus Xavier Woods from an episode of Raw, which was just like the closest we'll ever get to a PWG style match in Raw. Um, Xavier Woods hit a Death Valley driver on the apron. I was like, what the fuck's going on? Um, and th- I think this was the first time where everyone was kind of like getting into the hype of Xavier Woods where it was like oh yeah he's really fucking good they just don't do much with him and obviously Outside now of like, being a tag team wrestler 
yeah, now he's obviously the king and he's seemingly going to be going into a feud with um, the tribal chief himself for like the early part of this year. Um, just don't give him the belt so Brock and Ethan. Um, and yeah, so that was one. Uh, the other one from earlier in the year was the WrestleMania um, Night 2 main event, Roman versus Edge versus Brian. It was just a really fun triple threat match. Uh, that, that spot where like Edge has got uh, Roman in the cross face with like the bar from the steel chair across his mouth and Brian comes in and adds a label la lock on it and him and Edge are like elbowing each other at the same time as holding the hold. It's a really cool spot. Um, and it was just a really fun match in general. Um Men, the men's Money in the Bank ladder match, uh, just because it was one of the most mental ones they've had. Uh, Big E, Drew McIntyre, John Morrison, Kevin Owens, Ricochet, Shinsuke Nakamura, Matt Riddle, and Seth Rollins. Uh, it was it was really fun. Uh, and Big E won, which was like a plus. Um, Again, the, just assume you had a really well-booked and excellent long title ring. Don't Google it. Don't even <laughs> um, Go to AW now. Um from full gear, Jurassic Express versus the Super Click in a full cut anywhere match. This was really fun. Was just got to... the Did yeah. you say Jurassic Express versus Young Bucks or, or Super, Super Click? Yeah. No, did you just call all three of them Jurassic Express? That's I mean, they're, 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 they're on a t shirt, mate. The Christmas t shirt. Nah, nah I'm three not members it. of Jurassic Express. There's I'm, Christine Cage. I'm not Luke getting into this argument. Jungle Boy. <laughs> there is, o- there is only ever been three members of Jurassic Express. They are <laughs> yeah, Christine yeah. Cage, Jungle Boy, Luke Sirs. <laughs> Oh no! Um, but yeah, we, it was a really cool match. There were some awesome spots. Um, as much as I have a disdain for Christian, the match was fucking fantastic. The thing with Christian is, like, when every pay per view match he's had has been awesome. Yeah, like the, he had the match with Kenny as well, which was banging, and he had this. And this was also the moment when Jungle Boy became Jungle Man. It was. It was. Uh, he hit the concerto on Matt Jackson. Um, after Luchasaurus had thrown everybody else off the side, off the yeah. and then didn't, jumped on Didn't them. Christian and Nick Jackson fight in a lift at one point as well? Yep. Yeah, yeah. we didn't and see then, that oh, yeah, until being there. It, it, was, it was on BTE the next week. Yeah, yeah. he's on the deleted scene on BTE. And they shoot like Brandon Cutler in the lift, just screaming whilst like, the whole thing was happening. <laughs> I'm each other. Um, and the last one um, on my honourable mentions was Pretty Deadly versus Mustache Mountain from August the 19th episode of NXT UK. Um, this wasn't the one where Mustache Mountain won the tag titles. It was the first one. Uh, just pretty deadly, being absolute bastards. To... This, this was the better one because pretty deadly one. Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like I, I was saying this to Troy. I didn't really like the ending of the last one because it was just Trent Seven kicking out of everything. And it was like, oh, now here we go. Um, whereas the first one was literally pretty deadly, just being horrible shit to Trent Seven. Um, the way they won the match as well was that they made it look like Trent had thrown the towel in when actually it was Lewis Howley. Um, it was just a really clever kind of like callback to the Mustache Mountain Undisputed Era match where they lost the tag titles. Fair, yeah. Um, and yeah, it was just there was just a lot of shit out really. You love to see it. Okay, real quick, I'll run through a couple of mine again. I think most, I think pretty much all of these are AW. Um, I think one thing I mentioned, uh, Jungle Boy versus Dax Harwood on Dynamite on January 27th. I feel like we're going to look back on this match in about five years. It's been one of the most important matches in AW history in terms of it establishing Jungle Boy as a top guy. 
Yeah, I, um, I loved um, what me and Jay talked about, which is actually one of the one of the fun, my favorite things we did last year. Jay was our reviews of the AW Women's Tournament. Yeah, um, and the, the sort of bonus match they gave us, which was Hikaru Shida, Mesa Ruga, and Nunkarakuda versus Emi Sakura, Veni, and Mahito. That was like the sort of mad sort of six woman tag match they did just for the fuck of it, and it was really really fun. Oh, yeah. Uh, speaking of people bubbling blood out of their heads, SEU versus the Young Bucks, AW Diamond May 12th. That's the match where they retired. Well, pretty much retired Daniels. Daniels. Yeah. Um, bonus points as well for the excellent promo Daniels cut at the next week's PTA at the With start. His black eye. Yeah. 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 That was that was excellent. Um Lance Archer, Moxley, and Kenta versus Sorry, Lance Archer and John Moxley versus Kenta and Kenny Omega, AW Dynamite February 10th, because Kenta turned up in AW and all he did was hit people with potatoes. I legit forgot about this match. <laughs> it, it, was, it was a proper old school WWF hardcore match where they fought into like various rooms of the building and like used props to batter each other with. It was. I remember them fighting in the kitchen. Yeah, and Lance Archer throwing a bag of potatoes at Kenta. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Kenta didn't come all the way to. Kenta didn't die for that. Um, Darby Allen versus Miro on May the twelfth when Miro beat him for the TNT title. Just for the, my favorite, one of my favorite spots of the entire year was. Um, Darby like propped up on like the bottom rope, like broken, and like looking at Sting on the outside and just like putting his fist out for Sting to fist bump him. And like Sting, like with the look on Sting's face, just said, I know you're fucked here, you're dead, you can't win this. And Sting, <laughs> just, Sting just like out of like, out of, like sheer something out, he just fist bumps Darby and then like yeah. lets Miro murder him. <laughs> so, like, and then Miro just puts him down and it's like, all right, okay, that's that's fine. Um, Young Bucks and Brandon Cutler versus the Lucha Bros and Laredo Kid, uh, March 24th episode of Dynamite. Anytime Laredo Kid is around, we're having a good time, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, he's awesome. Let's face it. Um, Blood and Guts, again, I know some people wanted to see Chris Jericho land on a concrete floor, and I've got really sad oh, they didn't. Oh. But, <laughs> but the match itself was excellent. FTR did some of their best their best AW work in this match, and Wardlow got to be an absolute hot monster for like most of it as well, which is great. Stupid, sexy Wardlow. Um, the only Brian Downson match I think we haven't covered is um, Brian Downson versus Nick Jackson from AW Rampage 29th September, yeah, which yeah. was probably, when I say it's the worst match he's had in AW, that's still like an 8.5. Yeah. Nick Jackson, when he gets a singles match, seems to be still very, very good. Uh, uh, he's getting ready for Matt to retire, isn't he? Matt said he's not got long left. Nick's, yeah. <laughs> Nick's, warming, Nick's warming up for that, for that singles run. <laughs> Bully Nick. Billy Nick. <laughs> uh, do you have any more here? I've got to cover all those. Uh, Stadium Stampede 2. Not as good as Stadium Stampede 1. Didn't quite yeah. have the, the sort of um, heady escapism that Stadium Stampede 1 had, but it did have that really awesome bit where Jericho and MGF came out and fought in, in front of the live crowd and then they went back into the video, which was yeah. pretty fucking cool. It was like something that you'd see at like a theme park. It was awesome. Um, so I really enjoyed that. That was fun. Um, MGF versus Sammy Guevara. AW Dynamite June 30th. I can't remember much about that to be fair. <laughs> but I remember it being really good. <laughs> was that the one that was just after? Oh, I mean, are we allowed to talk about this? Was that the one just after he proposed to his fiance? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, what fiance? Exactly. Don't worry about it. Um, then we had Ray Phoenix and Pac versus the Young Bucks. We talked about this very briefly earlier on. Um, AW Dynamite, April 14th. That was the one that came after they won the Battle Royal. It was excellent. Um, 
one of my personal favorite little mini storylines of 2021 was the saga between Ty Conti and Nala Rose and Ty, Ty trying to get the win over Nyla to sort of like prove us to herself, to prove to everyone, most to herself, that she could beat an opponent of that caliber. And on March, on March 24th on Dynamite, she finally did. She got the win over Nyla um, after like at the third attempt or something, which it was a really cool uh, match. And it felt like the moment that Ty Conti like announced herself as like a, a main player on the women's roster. Yes. Um, my last one, um, and I think this was a, sl- a bit of a sleeper match. Um, Hangman Adam Page versus Brian Cage, AW Double Nothing. It was the first match, the opener. It was the first match in front of a live crowd, and it was it was one of those matches. Every now and then, because I've said this a lot of times, you sort of take them for granted. But every now and then, you just sort of rub your eyes and go, "Oh shit, yeah, Adam Page is a really good wrestler." Like he yeah. can he can do a bit of everything. Like he can he can do Ari Horror Moonsaults, don't Google it off the top rope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he can do brawling, he can do power stuff, he can do follow-up slams. The fact he did one of them in Ring of Honor with his hands gaffetate together <laughs> is fucking metal. So yeah, this was a match that sort of got because it was immediately followed by uh, one of my picks, which was Eddie Kingston, John Moxley with the Young Bucks. But that match did so much heavy lifting in terms of firing up the crowd for the rest of the show. If that match had come out and been a dud, the crowd would have just been fucked. But because yeah. it came out and Hangman just and, and Cage, to give me his credit, because they they put it all out there, uh, it really did fire the crowd up for the rest of the show, which was excellent. Uh, right, shall we talk about what is to most people, not, no surprise to most people, but both mine and Jay's match of the year, our number one. I, again, it probably would have been mine, but I tried to stay clear of AEW, knowing Tasty's whole list would be AEW. <laughs> and, and as I said, the one I had in my top ten. Tasty had it before me. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, I just remembered your reaction. So yeah, we are gonna talk about no surprises, the Lucha Bros versus the Young Bucks in a steel cage match at AW All Out. Oh, yeah, I mean, you can't argue with it. I remember absolutely. being at the bar in Glasgow, like just waiting to order my drink, but also staring at the TV. And then people ask me, what do you want to drink? Oh, hold on, look at the TV. <laughs> the, the fact that the fact that there's so many like callbacks to stuff they've done in other companies as well. Yeah. Um like the books bringing back the uh, the shoe with the fucking thumbtacks on the on the uh, which they previously used in PWG. Um there was just mad cage spots that like Lucha Bros have done before in a triple A, but it was like all come culminating in this one match on like the, this really big stage, like all out is seemingly AEW's version of WrestleMania, isn't it? At this point, yeah, yeah. Um, and it that, that show did not disappoint you, probably from, as we from like the Lucha Bros entrance with Ruckus coming out and doing it live, mm. all the way through to Penta hugging his kids at the end. It was just. It was just yeah, a summary. Was... He wanted to hug them. He was pissing all over. <laughs> he was trying to the kids. Daughter, was his, his kids are fucking terrified because the dad's just bleeding <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> and he doesn't look anything like the dad. He's wearing his gear and everything, can you? Um, it was just like, so do you know how many um, cage matches there's been in AW? Two. Two. This one yeah. and Wardley Cody. Cody and Wardley, yeah. So that's that's madness. Like this is the only cage match AW did in this year, this entire calendar year. With the exception of Blood and Guts, obviously. Yeah. Um, that, that, that's a different match, so yeah. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's in a cage, um, though, it? It's well, it's more of a cell. Cage with a roof. It's a war <laughs> games. So you cannot last call it war games. Yeah, uh-huh. I mean, 
as soon as they announced this would be a cage match, everyone just went, well, Phoenix is going to jump off that, isn't he? And yeah. I, I, I saw um, I, I saw like a um, video on YouTube, I think it was uh, Parts One Known that did it. And Adam Blampier said that in 2019, the Lucha Brothers and the Young Bucks had the best ladder match of all time. And then in 2021, they had the best cage match of all time. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's like, what are they going to do in 2023? Just, at all? Wait, just wait Just wait till next year when they revitalise the Punjabi prison. <laughs> <laughs> what was that one? <laughs> it, was, it was like so defeated. Um, can't, can't even the Bucks and the Lucha Bros give us a good Punjabi prison they'll, match? They'll, they'll Let's do, find out. <laughs> they'll, do, they'll do the best ever something on a pole match. <laughs> Oh, Brandon Cutler on Yeah, oh. it was. I mean, the match itself was excellent. Like, there was a lot yeah. of like the young bucks just using shit houseery to stay on top, and it was like it was almost getting to a point where like you didn't think it was just going to happen for the Lucha Bros. Like every time they tried something, they got cut off, and like the books like did some fuckery. But then eventually, Phoenix just like went, "No, what? No way! I'm too fucking good." So here you go. And he got out from under them, and yeah, there was some madness. There was there was a fucking Jordan with tacks on. There was like everyone got super kicked, everyone bladed, everyone had blood all over them. Like people and to hit a top rope destroyer on Matt Jackson. Yeah, uh, and, and, that, and that wasn't even like one of the big points of the match. Yeah, no, that's one that people don't really talk about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, it was it was yeah. just two tag teams at the top of their powers just coming together as like a force of nature. Uh, I, I think um, that the thing that's so good about like the Young Bucks and the Lucha Brothers feud in AEW is that they can literally like be apart for like the better part of like eighteen months and come back and it still feels like it's an intense feud. Yeah, and it's got, so like, hard. They've, they've got that history. Yeah, and they, they, that's the thing as well. Like obviously, like the Young Bucks have had like loads of run-ins with Death Triangle this year anyway, but it's never been the Lucha Bros. It's been Pack and Phoenix or Pack and Penta. Yeah, it's ne- it's never been like the, the actual Lucha Bros. So it was it was quite fitting that when Lucha Bros came up against the Bucks, they beat the Bucks. Um, yeah, I I I, th- I think it's it's a real art form to be able to, as I say, have a feud where you go away from each other and then you come back and it's still got the fire, it's still got the magic of the feud. Yeah, absolutely. And the, these guys have it in spades. Um. And yeah, as I say, in, in like in this day and age where it's people get distracted quite easily by stuff. It's not like it's not like back in like the early nineties when you had like Flair and Steamboat and or Flair and Sting, and whenever they'd come together, everyone would go, oh, fuck, here we go. Like you've just yeah. got to look at ten years ago when we had Cena and Orton all the time. And everyone yeah. was just fucking fed up of it by the time like they wrestled each other. Or Kofi and Dolph. Um but yeah, the, these guys every time, every time they get in the ring together, they fucking bring it, and like it, it, it's it's hard to kind of choose between like the top like two tag teams, isn't it? Because these two are like one and two, and it on it each day, it's gonna be one's gonna be one, the other's gonna be two. Yeah, it's like, it's like, one of them. Like like you said, like there are there are certain feuds in wrestling that, that seem to come forever, and like you get a bit fatigued by them, and you think, oh, not again. Like I don't want to see MGF and Chris Jericho anymore, or anything like that. And then, but then you say, oh, instantly, oh yeah, Young Bucks, Lucha Bros. You know, yep, okay, let's let's have it. What are they doing? Oh, it's going to be a I don't know, wrestling on the back of a forklift truck that speeds down a highway match. And all right, yeah, we'll, 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 I'll give them a chance. 
why not? They could, they're going to make some good out of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think like that's the thing. Next time we get Young Bucks and Lucha Brothers, and it's inevitable we will get it again in AW, it's probably going to blow our fucking minds again and yeah. probably be in the argument for my. <laughs> Yeah, it's excellent. Um, yeah, so I think that's, um, well, on that bombshell, I think that's all she wrote for us uh, for 2021. We'll slam the door shut. The The clock's now ticking on 2022. We're going to start collecting our favourite matches of this year. And uh, this time next year, we'll bring you our 2022 match of the year. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of podcast content between now and then. But, uh, yeah. We've got forward. literally three things being recorded tonight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For the podcast. So yeah, so keep it keep it all on the on, keep it on the podcast social media, keep it on the Discord, yeah. keep it all up to date. You'll you won't miss a thing if you keep yourself subscribed to all of our bits and bobs. Uh so yeah, have a lovely uh start of 2022, everybody. Take care, enjoy all your wrestling, and we'll see you all very soon. Goodbye. Uh, Hello, yes, Dan Housen here. Dan Housen has been summoned. You must love this podcast housing, the untitled wrestling podcast housing. <laughs>